Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church, our second service or second Sunday of 2023. And uh, we're so glad you decided to worship with us this morning. Uh, my name is Alex Bear. I'm the lead pastor, and we're starting a brand new series uh, that you'll see right here on the screen. And also, you should have received a program that Cameron mentioned, and that has a lot of resources. But on the front, you'll see this image of this financial squeeze. Uh, and when you're looking at art, uh, it's very interesting, but when you actually experience a squeeze, it's not usually as fun. And this time of year is the time that we usually make resolutions or the idea of, of change. And especially in the area of money, uh, because of December, it's usually our most expensive month of the year. Uh, we tend to do a lot more things. We tend to buy gifts for people. And uh, we feel that squeeze not always in December, because in December, what we tell ourselves is it's, it, it's Christmas. Anything that you feel that you need to change, you wait until January, right? And so when January comes, that's where we are. Then you start to feel, in this area specifically, things that you might need to shift, decisions that you made that you are feeling right now. But the squeeze is really a, an emphasis on pressure. And I don't know if you've felt pressure related to your finances. I know I have. Uh, for, for my family, sometimes it's at the end of the month, you feel the squeeze because the month is keeping going, but your money seems like has stopped. Like the wheels have fallen off your money. And you're like, why have you stopped walking? And the money just lays there and looks at you. And you're like, well, there's still a month here that we got to keep it going. Or have you ever had something with your finances like an unexpected expense? I shared this, I think about a month ago, our washing machine decided to stop working. And every time you have an appliance that breaks down, uh, Beyond the nuisance that happens with cars, all of those things that, that just how do you don't think about its value until you have to fix it. You ever thought that? Just how are we going to do that? And, and you, you feel the pressure. Uh, if you have kids that get older, uh, life gets more expensive. I remember as a family, we used to be able to go to In-N-Out and get a couple burgers, a couple fries, and we all, you know, share these. As your kids get older, share these is less fun. They want their own food. And, and with that, you, you just start wondering if you can share off of them, right? And, and that gets more expensive. And then as your kids get even older, you start to look at college. And college isn't getting any cheaper. I don't know if you, you didn't know that. Sorry if I just bared that burden for you, but college is getting more expensive. And so what does that look like? And, and we feel that pressure. So I don't probably need to go on. Uh, you feel it. I feel it. And then we have this thing going on in our country right now, which is inflation and just Things that cost something, even a year to two ago, are more expensive now. And they did studies of all like the holiday meals, Thanksgiving, how turkeys are up like 70%. It's like, no, no turkeys. You got to eat ramen for this year. That's what we're going to do, right? And so you got to decide what do you do with, with these, these pressures. But in the area of finances, it can seem like something that you, you either have to ignore or you have to be anxious about. And it's like a slice of life that you, you want to attend to when the pressure's there, and then you maybe don't want to attend to when it's not. But, but actually, according to the Bible and according to a relationship with God, finances and the squeeze that we experience is actually a key way that God wants to lead us in life. You can't grow in your faith and not grow in your understanding of money. It's not compartmental. The Lord that you follow that wants to lead you wants to lead you with your finances just like he wants to lead you with your faith. He wants to lead you in your family. He wants to lead you in every aspect of your life, including this area. So as a church, we actually have a duty. We have to talk about money. We have to talk about every aspect of life that God has 
commanded us to live his ways because uh, he's going to give account. We're going to stand before him when he returns or when we pass on, and we're going to have to give an account, even for this area of our finances. How did we handle what he gave us from the little to the much? And so this is really important. So this series is going to look at how God provides the help to relieve the pressure in four specific ways. But when the pressure comes, I don't know about you, I, I want the pressure to, uh, to release. It's like I, I want it to, to calm down. And so uh, for me, you may get help. Like I want to get help and I want to get perspective. How do I kind of make changes? How do I experience uh, freedom, especially in the area of finances when it, when it feels really tight? And I came across an article. Here, here's an image of it. This is from the summer um, the New York Times it says, I'm, I'm always worrying the emotional toll of financial stress. The reason this is so important to talk about is that money is actually, it is stressful. It, it can weigh on us. It can be a burden. And so when you come across articles like this, it, it's very relatable. Like it is easy to worry about money and then to feel that stress. And then as you dig into the article, they actually tell you three things, which I thought were interesting. The first is, to deal with the stress, embrace self-reflection and communicate uh, with empathy. So when the stress is on, you still have to deal in your relationships and in your life with empathy, even though you feel the stress. And, and that's hard to do. Number two, spend wisely, but don't deprive yourself. That's difficult. Because what does wisdom look like and what does depriving yourself look like? And then the third, which I thought was, was fascinating, it says explore different types of professional help. So if you dig in to needing advice, and then the advice tells you to get advice, what do you do if the advice keeps telling you to get advice? You ever thought about that? It's very, it's very, very tricky. And so we, we want to look at experts, but the question is, how does somebody become an expert in finances, and how do you decide if, if that's relevant or not? And then when the experts keep telling you to seek more help, what do you do to actually make traction? It feels like you can just spend all your time. Uh, but for many of us, when we're in the financial squeeze specifically, uh, we, we look for, for bailouts. We, we look for help. And it could be from experts. But there's two main sources, uh, bailout sources. The first is, is family. Uh, here, here's a family portrait that could exist. <laughs> you just see family like the dollar bills that you need to get out of the pressure that you face. Now, when you're younger, uh, this makes really sense. But as you get older, um, those pictures should return of your family members. They should no longer be just the money that, that you get. But family can be a real source of bailout for us. We have the pressure. We need somebody to re relieve the pressure. And so who do we look, like, look to? We, we look to family. Like That's their, their role. That's their, their dirty uh, duty. And then the second source is... Government, here's another image, which just the United States of America, there's Air Force One, it's just, you know, isn't that just a beautiful sight? You just hope you're where that plane is going. You just open your hands and then you, you get money. So if your family can't bail you out, then the government should bail you out. At least that's the thinking. The reason this is important is because when there is pressure, that's what we want. We want relief. And most of the time, we'll get relief wherever we can find it whether it's healthy or whether it's not, because we don't like the pressure. But the Christian life is actually something that God uses the pressure to teach us, to help us. 
But if we're looking just for other sources outside of God, oftentimes the things that God wants to teach us in the area of finances, in the middle of that pressure, we skip that lesson. We don't learn it, and then we relive it. Have you experienced that in your life? You don't learn something, and then you have to, to relive it? I know I have. Historically, governments have not bailed out their citizens, but in the United States, that's been a little bit different. It impacts our perspective as a country and as a culture. It impacts you, especially if you're young, because there are certain things that are being taught about what the government should or shouldn't do. And so I just want to deal with a little bit of history that will help perspective. Uh, before the Great Depression in the 1930s with FDR's uh, New Deal, most of the responsibility fell actually on churches and Christian organizations to help people in their communities. It was actually more of a localized help where you could see faces, you could see names, and people could get support. Uh, as the government stepped in, uh, that became less uh, relevant, less relevant, and, and some shifts have happened. Number one, uh, personal finances became a shared responsibility. As soon as the government bails us out, then we look to them to continue to do that. Uh, individuals keep looking for the government to relieve the financial squeeze. Uh, most recent example is the student loan forgiveness plan. I might, I might be getting you fired up just hearing some of this stuff, but I'm still going to do it. Uh, the most recent example is the student loan forgiveness plan. Um, and then after the New Deal, it was just a matter of time before more and more businesses got on this shared responsibility. How do, how do we get bailed out? 1970, the Penn Central Railroad appealed to the government to bail them out on the grounds that they provided transportation vital to the defense of our nation. Uh, this led to the first government bailout of a business This is in the 70s. Uh, this is how we ended up with Amtrak. I don't know if you knew that, but that's government-funded railroad. Over the next 37 years, there would be six more bailouts totaling $338 billion in today's dollars. Uh, then came 2008, the housing crisis, the crash. Uh, the government granted seven bailouts totaling $1,370,000,000. This impacts our view of money. This impacts our responsibility. This impacts how we view our world in relationship to the government, in relationship to our family, in relationship to all these things that God's given us. That's why I bring this up. So personal finances, now it's a shared responsibility. The issue with shared responsibility is then who has the responsibility? That's a key question. And young people, you really want to ask that. And number two, help, I kind of already mentioned this, but help became a depersonalized. When a church or a neighbor had a financial need, you could know who the person is, you could know their situation and why they need the help. And you can help them. That's what we try to do as a church. A government, they can't see every face. Uh, they're turned into to numbers. You just got to kind of fit on this spectrum of a number in the right way to get the help. Now, I'm not saying that the government shouldn't do anything to help. Did you get a stimulus check? I did. Did you cash it? I did. So what I'm saying is in principle, I don't burn the stimulus like, ah, you can't help me. I, I take the help. But the key is the responsibility factor. And we can't keep looking for other people or other sources outside of God to help us ultimately. What happens over time is that we've been trained to look to sources other than God to bail us out. 
This is in the area of finances, and then it can become in the area of crisis. It comes in the area of life. And before we know it, we're not depending on God. We're depending on others. Again, it doesn't mean that there's not roles and responsibilities that people have. And the government plays a role in that. God's instilled the governing authority to provide some of that structure and help and justice and righteousness. But when we lean on those things as our Savior, we get in trouble. Because God wants to use the pressure that you experience financially to grow your dependence and your faith on him. That's actually how the Christian life works. Now, does God want to bail you out? Well, let's define a bail. What's God's economic bailout plan? Well, the word bail means to, to carry. Actually means to, to carry. You, you bail out water of a boat. You use a bucket to carry the water, and you're, you're, you're carrying it out. You bail someone out of jail. You bail out of a person um, or a corporation when you carry money to them. Uh, but God was in the bailout business long before government ever was, especially before even the 1930s. Isaiah 46.4 uh, says this. It says, even to your old age, I am he. This is God speaking. Into gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and will save. So this scripture is speaking to the fact that God will, will carry us but the perspective is so key because he says, I made you. And that's why our dependence on God is so important. We depend on him because he's the one who made us. So when you depend on God, you're saying, because God made me and he loves me, he actually has a responsibility to me that he will not let me fall and be crushed. Doesn't mean bad things won't happen. Doesn't mean I can't make foolish mistakes, but it does mean that he is the one who made me He's the one that wants to carry and to help in desperate times. And God offers to do this, to, to bail us out. But there are conditions. There are conditions to the help that God gives. And that's what this series is all about. When we experience the financial squeeze, when we experience the discouragement of feeling like we can't get ahead, when we feel stuck financially again and again and again, there's actually four key things we can do to get help from God. And I just want to give a serious preview of, of where that is. The first is carry my load. That's the responsibility we have. That's what I'm talking about today. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about contentment. How does contentment and finances, how are those related? And finances impact our emotions. Absolutely. Have you ever wanted something you can't get? and you want to buy it so desperately, and you don't have the money? You ever felt so sad because of that? Why do I have to deprive myself? Well, oftentimes we don't, right? We just put it on the credit card, and somehow magically next month, I'm going to pay for it. Calm my emotions. I just got emotional saying that. Okay, then we're going to close this series talking about committing to a generosity. So we're covering key perspective. Now, the workshop, and I just want to give... Brief plug to that, what, what Cameron mentioned. The workshop is actually designed to take the perspective from the series and put it into practical steps in your life. Our goal at Ridgeview is we want to help you in this area just like any other area. We want to help you in your parenting. We want to help you be a good employee or a good boss as you deal with authority, as you work diligently. Because the, the scriptures cover all these things. 
But at the same time, we want to help people in their finances because it impacts our life in deep ways. And so this workshop on the 22nd is, is taking the perspective and then how do we actually put it into our life? And we're going to cover topics like, like budgeting. Like what does biblical god reference budgeting looks like, look like? And then how do we deal with debt and the chains that come from that? And then what does giving and generosity actually look like? And then with contentment, how, how do we move towards those things? So um, I invite you to, to come to that. Invite people to come because these tools could be very helpful. And so uh, sign up for that as you get a chance. Mark that on your, your calendar. But today, like I mentioned, I'm talking about carrying my load, the idea of, of responsibility. And this condition, this first condition of that responsibility is found uh, in the New Testament in Galatians 6, verses 2 and 5. It says, carry one another's burdens. So notice this, this shift. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And then verse 5 says, for each person will have to carry his own load. You ever read the scriptures and sometimes you're like, wait a second, what? what? Which is it? The first says in verse 2, carry one another's burdens. And then verse 5 says, each person will have to carry his own load. You ever read the Bible and it seems confusing? Because in three verses, it seems like it shifts. Well, let's define burden and load. A load. In, in verse 2, it's talking about a burden, and then it's talking about a load. So a burden is when calamity or trouble comes, and it comes on you like an avalanche. This is what the church is made for. We want to bear each other's burdens. We want to stand with people in the middle of calamity. And there's things beyond their control, and there's things they don't see coming. It's our duty as a church, as a community, to say, like, we stand with you. We want to help you. And oftentimes, these burdens are financial, medical expenses, all sorts of things that can hit people. And so that is calamity. These are things that, that don't happen a lot, and we want to help with burdens. Now, a load is different. A load is what you are responsible for. The Greek word uh, used to describe this is actually like a day pack that soldiers are given to carry. And so if you could imagine, if you're building up an army to fight and you have seven soldiers that just say, you know what, I don't really want to hold my day pack, but we've given it to him and he's holding eight because he's holding his own and the seven of the people who don't want, could you imagine the impact on that soldier? And then the impact of those that now aren't carrying their own weight. And so the load is this pack, it's responsibilities, it's your stewardships. It's what God has given you and me to deal with in life. Now, if you're young, you have load to carry. If your parents have given you chores, that's part of the load for you to carry, and you need to be faithful with that. Your room is your load. Did it just get real? Part of your load. You want to carry that. That starts at a very young age. It's very important, even if you're young, to carry your load take care of your things. That's something at our house we talk about a lot. You carry your load. You, you want to be responsible, and with that responsibility is consideration. If I don't carry my load, then I'm assuming someone else will. And if you just assume that over years and decades, what you find in your relationships is your idea of responsibility impacts those around you. And that actually breeds resentment. Because now there's people that are carrying your load because you don't want to. That's what you see in, in our culture, an assumption somebody else will do it. 
But you have to carry that like a pack. You've been given an assignment. God's given it to you, responsibility. When we get older, that's uh, parenting. If you're parents, that's a responsibility. No one else has the job to parent and train your kids. It's actually not the government's job. It's not school's job. It's your job to train and to parent your kids. No one else has been given that. And that's a load you need to carry. If you have a job, it's your load to carry, your responsibility, an assignment that you've been given. So we bear burdens as calamity comes. That's why people need the church. People need people. But then we bear our own burdens. We take care of our responsibilities. Now, if you look around, this is actually something that we understand, the idea of taking responsibility. This is how God made us in his image. I don't know if you've ever been with a a kid that's learning something and you want to help them and sometimes they they don't want the help. They're just, I do it, I do it by myself, by myself. Part of that is they, they want to do it and experience it and try it for themselves. This can be really good as long as they're not like learning how to cut vegetables. You can't do that by yourself yet. But there's something in like, I, I want to do it. Well, God's made us in this capacity to bear tremendous responsibility. Look at what we're capable of in this world. It's amazing. You look at the cities and what's been built up. You look at the technology. What it is is people have been given gifts and talents and skills to bear a load and produce amazing things. And God wants us to do that, but the whole time looking to him for help, looking to him for understanding. It's not what we see in our culture where the more progressive we get, the more godless we become. Let me tell you, the more progress you make, if it doesn't include God, it is not progress. It's actually senseless. So God has made us in his image to look to him, to get help, but at the same time to produce things. But why don't we see this? Why is it that the load that people have, people don't want to carry? Well, there's a few reasons. Some are lazy. Have you struggled with being lazy in your life? Like you know you need to do it, but you don't want to? Laziness is a struggle for most of us. I'll get to it later, tomorrow. Uh, when you're lazy, it's, it's hard to reach your potential. Uh, some get discouraged. There's maybe an area of your life that you really do need to take responsibility for, but it seems so daunting that you just don't do it and you get discouraged. It's not really laziness issues. It's like, I can't, I don't know if I can do it. It's almost like you've got the day packed and it feels too heavy for you. You've experienced that. And then some, you fall down. It's like you have the responsibilities and you fall and you're like, wait, I, I think I got the wrong day pack. That's for someone who, with broader shoulders that can carry more. Then we can question God. How come I keep falling because I can't bear what he's given me? Now, all these things we experience sometimes uh, from one day to the next. And in the same day, we can experience all of them. So how do you get someone who's given up or fallen down to get up? How do you encourage people? Well, oftentimes, encouraging people or guilting people or nagging people, or staying on people, or demanding that people do what you think they should do, did you know it doesn't work? It doesn't work. And God actually knows this. Those methods aren't effective. What God has created is actually a nobility beacon that each of us have because he's made us in his image. That's why your sense of God and how he works in the world is so important. Because he's made you, and you believe that. 
you can live a different type of life because you represent the workmanship of the living God. Your life is being lived in view of him. And people are seeing your life in view of him. And that's a different type of life. So this beacon uh, goes off when we actually stop bearing the load that he's given us. When we lax on the responsibilities that we have, this beacon should go off to, to remind us. Do you know what the nobility beacon is? Anybody? It's hunger. Say what? It's hunger. Check this out in 2 Thessalonians 3. If anyone isn't willing to work, read the last four words. He should not what? Eat. Anytime you get hungry, the beacon is going off like you need to actually be bearing responsibility so you have money enough to eat. That's the nobility beacon. Now, this sounds like a mean rule. Why wouldn't you feed someone uh, who is hungry? Well, this is not just anyone who's hungry. Uh, this is the person who's hungry. Why? Because they refuse to what? They, they refuse to work. If they can't work, you shouldn't feed them. But they won't work, so we shouldn't feed them. Well, why not? Well, the nobility beacon is this. Uh, if you don't feed them, they get hungrier and hungrier. And then if they can work, the power of that hunger actually moves them to stop refusing to work, to, to bear the responsibility. And they'll work, and then they can eat. And this is part of that partnership. God, I'm, I'm hungry. I need you to come through. And God says, well, I will come through, but you need to do your part. You need to be responsible. Uh, if we lose sight of our nobility, then our hunger can call us back to that potential of the help that God brings. But here's the kicker. If someone feeds us and we're not willing to work, then that beacon that's calling us back to nobility to bear our load, it goes dull again. And we ignore it. Now, you might be somebody that you want to help everybody. And I'm not just talking, this isn't just like for homeless people. This is actually for our life. There's things that sometimes we're not willing to do, but we want God to help. Or we're not willing to do, or we're not willing to change, but we want God to help. This is one of the conditions. We have to carry our load. So if you, you want to, to help people, sometimes what you have to realize is helping people by giving them what they want isn't always the help. It can actually hurt them in the long run because they're, they're not learning. And when we help people that are not willing to bear responsibility, what we're saying is sit there and do nothing or get up and work hard. Either way, you'll be taken care of. Well, if you have the option to get up and work hard or sit there and do nothing, but it aims in the same result, which one would you choose? I would love to get a full buffet by doing nothing. Anyone else? That sounds amazing. To not have to work for it sounds great, but that, that's not actually the nobility that God gives. God says you can have, but you actually have to work. It comes from faithfulness. It comes from diligence. You can't just have magically because you want it. Someone tells you you deserve it. You actually have to, you have to work for it. Now, if people can't work, it's different. That's where the church helps. But we don't want to carry 
he called the responsibility link, the responsibility that you have. Again, it's that load that God's given you. That responsibility link God wants you to grow in, to bear, to carry, to be faithful in so that he will come through for you. We don't just get whatever we want and dream and wish and ask God for it and we get it. No, it's linked to our responsibility. This gives us that nobility because God has given you an assignment and me an assignment that's unique. And in your world, responsibilities that you have that no one else has, that when you're faithful with it and you see God come through, he provides. It adds tremendous value to the human race. We're not robots or machines. We have a relationship with the living God where we bear our responsibility with his help. And we ask him for help in those moments where it feels too much. And he provides the help. That's the responsibility link. The second is the responsibility limit. And this is things that limit us, uh, whether it's our capacity, uh, whether it's circumstances, or we're also limited at times by what people do or don't do, uh, circumstances beyond our control. Uh, check this out in Second Thessalonians uh, verses 3. This is continuing this nobility beacon of hunger. And it says, we hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busybodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. So Paul, when he's writing, if you don't work, you don't eat. In this church, if you've read the book of Thessalonians, you realize that their struggle was they had come to faith in Christ and it had changed their life, but they got stuck because they just were waiting for him to return. Christ will return. He will come back. But they were just waiting for him to return. And there were some in the church that said, you know what? Let's not get sidetracked by doing all of these things. Let's just wait for him to return so we're ready. So the idea is like they were, they were just idle. They weren't doing anything. And so what Paul is saying here, this responsibility limit, he's like, there, there's some of you who are not moving forward. And because you're not moving forward and you're waiting for Christ to come back, but you don't know when he's going to come back, you're getting antsy. And in fact, you're disruptive. And the work that people are doing, it's almost like, why are you doing so much? Christ is coming. And people are working hard and they begin to look and think, well, if Christ is coming. Yeah, why am I doing this? And everyone began to kind of just relax in their responsibilities. Well, anytime you have a group of people that are no longer responsible and you don't have responsibility that actually helps you rely on God, it does become very disruptive. And there's actually three categories of people. Uh, some people become idle. That's the first word. Not I-D-O-L, but I-D-L-E. Idle means that you stop structuring uh, your days. Have you ever felt discouraged and depressed and you don't want to get out of bed? And you think, you know, this day will just get better if someone can deliver a full carton of ice cream and I just eat it. And then if someone could bring a TV with streaming movies and I can just watch it all day, like, my day is going to feel better. You guys ever wanted that day? Lived that day? Any of you hope this sermon wraps up so you can experience that day right now? It sounds appealing. But have you ever eaten the carton of ice cream and watched so much TV that after it, you're like, I feel gross, I feel disgusting, and I've lost all respect for myself? Hypothetically, you felt that? That's the, the idleness. It's like, I don't want to structure my days. I don't want to take care of my responsibilities. I just want to let it all go. And we want to be productive, but we actually don't want to plan to be productive. We, we become idle. 
The second category that you see in the passage is some people turn disruptive. This literally means to stop working with others and withdraw. So you're no longer with a group who's bearing responsibility. You're doing your own thing. And our tremendous capacity, I don't know if you know this, but our tremendous capacity in life is actually not when we isolate and pull away from people. It's actually when we team with others. That's why the church is so important. Because that's where you discover your capacity. It's not life, independent, individual, pursuing your own goals, wanting the church to meet your needs. It's actually submitting to a group of people. You say, I actually don't want to put my goals and my interests above you. I want to team with you, and I want to be a part of what God wants to do in our group. But to be dis- disruptive means that, that you're doing your own thing, and you don't want a team. You, you have your own goals and your, your whole agenda. And it's easy for us to become disruptive. Because teaming is, is risky. Trusting people is hard. But when we don't team and we withdraw, we, we actually become victims. We forget our ability to respond rightly because of what we've experienced. So that's idle, that's disruptive. And then some also become busybodies. This is what Paul uh, describes. Now this is a, a fascinating word. You heard that word, like that person's such a busybody. We don't use it much in our culture today, but it means busy here is to, to work, but the idea is the busy body is they're working on something, uh, but they're not responsible for it. And most of the time, a busybody is responsible for other people, but that's not their responsibility. And so you're a busybody because you care so much about what others do that you're actually not focused on what you need to do. You ever got caught up in that? It's very easy. You want to pay attention to what other people are doing, and before we know it, all of that energy is on that person, and it's not on our responsibility. Uh, the work of a busybody is, is verbal. So it's just what you talk about. And it's focused on what someone else did or what they should have done uh, or is doing. By the time you focus on all that other people should do, you have so spent so much time talking about all these other people to being a victim or circumstance because as we're so focused on what others should do, when we lack in our own responsibility, we begin to think, well, if they did it, I didn't have to be concerned with them. I could have taken care of what I need to. But being a busybody or being idle isn't how we carry our load. Now, this, this happens to me, full disclosure. When I am on social media too much, it actually fuels busybody. Because you're probably more noble than me, but I'm not looking at every post thinking like, man, I'm so happy for them in their life. I'm so informed by what they're doing. I make lots of judgments all day of what people are doing. Sometimes I don't even realize it. Why are they doing that? They shouldn't do that. You ever thought that about somebody else? It's easy to do. And then you get in with news. Now you're dealing with what politicians are doing. Is what a politician does, like your responsibility? Well, I hope not. Politics can stress us out. We can be so focused on what's happening out there that we're not focused on what we need to take care of. And there's tensions there. We have, we have to deal with that. So for me, I have to settle down. When my emotions are on the rise, I have to calm down. And then I need to focus on what God's given me, my own load, my own day pack that he's given me as a soldier of Christ. 
And this is what it means to be responsible. If you break down that word, responsible, there's two parts of it, right? Respond and able. So how, how do I respond to what God's given me and, and how has he given me the strength to be able to do it? And here's the thing. Related to your finances and your stewardship, there's no one else that God has given outside of you to take care of that. That's your circle of concern. Focus on your area with what he's given you. Uh, for me, th this is actually very freeing because it's not my job, even as the pastor of this church, like it's not my role or responsibility to live your life for you. Each one of us is responsible to live our life. And we're gonna stand again before Christ and give an account for that, how we live. But it is our job to band together as each of us are doing what God has given us. That is actually the beauty of the church. You have a bunch of soldiers with the day pack that each one is carrying. And maybe some day packs are bigger than others. But we're each carrying our load and we're marching towards the life that God's given us. It's actually a beautiful thing. We don't have to wait for the government to tell us uh, we are complete or competent. Why? God has already told us that. He made us in his image. We're noble. We have tremendous capacity as we carry our load. I want to just end with kind of three main things that you can do to carry your load well with the pack that he's given you. Um, now, if you don't work, let's say you're, we have stay-at-home moms here at Ridgeview. We have people who homeschool their kids. We have people who work from home, part-time, full-time. We have people that go to businesses. We have people that go to LA, all, all sorts in Southern California, as you can imagine. But again, the way you carry your load well is not always in your job. It's in your main responsibilities. And so if you're a stay-at-home mom, that is your main responsibility. If you have a full-time job, that's your responsibility, and you have to be a parent as well, and that's your responsibility. You have to carry both of those packs. You have to carry them well. So the first is how to carry your load well is excel um, in my field. I hope everyone at Ridgeview gets a raise this next year. In fact, I hope everyone in our church can make as much money as possible. Because if we have people that God determines to bless with more money and they want to do life his way, then now we have more money going towards the kingdom purposes. And that pleases God. But I want more money sometimes without doing more work. That doesn't work. You actually need to excel. You need to, to get more training, develop your skills. That's how you actually grow in dignity. God, I want to do the best that I can do with what you've given me. I don't need to shy away from responsibility. As I move towards it and I excel, you'll give me more responsibility, which now I have, I have a bigger load I have to carry. But as you're faithful with the bigger load that God gives you, he'll bless you, and most of the time you'll get more responsibility. Do you know that? Faithful and responsibility means more responsibility. Now, if you're young, that sounds awful. But it actually is a beautiful thing. That's how you're growing in nobility. So excel. The second is expand my responsibility. Uh, what, what more can I do? Well, if you're feeling the pressure, God wants to use that to grow you. If you feel like you can't do things, then your dependency on him has to grow. 
And he wants to use even the pressure in your finances to grow your faith in him. He wants you to get to the point where you realize no one else can bail you out except him. When that happens, you can really grow because your dependency on him grows. But you expand your responsibility as, as God provides the help and you step out in faith to carry your load. And then the third tied to this is endure the wait. That's being faithful. Being faithful with what you've been given. I don't know about you, but there's probably things in your life that you don't look forward to doing. There's probably parts of your job. There's probably parts of parenting. There's probably parts of your finances, which is like you just don't want to face or deal with. But when you do, and you ask God for help, he grows your endurance. And you've seen him come through maybe in the grind, in these hard things. And as he's come through for you, he'll help you more the next time. And as you've seen him come through, you trust him more the next time. So as we endure in the things that we're facing now, it grows our ability to endure in the future. And that's what God wants from us, this trust that grows over time. So excel in my field, expand my responsibility, and then endure the weight of my responsibility. As, as you do that, God does provide the help. I want to invite the band up. We've got a few next steps related to this. Uh, I want to invite you to come back uh, next week. Uh, we're going to talk more about attitude and perspective in the area of contentment. Um, what do we do when it just feels like we don't have what we want financially? Uh, so I invite you to come back. Uh, sign up for that finance workshop, second next step. I think that will be helpful. And then third, pray through the, the season that you're in. I just mentioned the, the, the ways to carry our load well. Well, maybe it's you need to endure in this season or you need to expand. You just need to keep carrying what God's given you. I, I don't know what it is for you, but, but just pray through that. What I do is I start with the question, God, will you help me to understand the pressure that I'm facing, and what do you want to teach me right now? So if you're experiencing the pressure, he wants to teach you. Ask God to show you what that is. So thanks for being here for week one. I hope next week we'll build on this, and, and I encourage you to come back and invite a friend. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for creating us, and as we were just singing those songs and worshiping you, just we're reminded of the almighty God who loves us, and we sing these praises for it. Just, it's honestly all we can do, it feels like, to just fully try to begin to understand the love that you have for us, the, the unique relationship that you've given us. And God, I, I pray that you'll help us to carry our load well, that we'll be responsible. We just feel our need to ask for help more from you uh, than other people. We ask this in the name of Jesus.